Amen. What a beautiful reading of the genealogy, and it, uh, it gives us a different perspective too, doesn't it? Good morning, Christ Center Church. My name is Josh Kim, one of the pastors here. We're glad you're joining us this morning. And uh, before we begin, I do want to share my gratitude as we walked into the church this morning. Of course, it was really cold last night, and when the building is cold and the pipes are cold, things don't go well together. So there was a leakage in our, uh, one of our bathrooms. And, of course, our deacons um, are serving behind the scenes to, to make sure that those do not become um, hindrance for us to worship together. So Deacon Lamont, who is a house deacon today, as well as Deacon Vaughn, uh, was busy mopping up, fixing things. Um, our executive director, Derek Crawford, was walking, running all over the place, walking back and forth, running to the Home Depot and stuff to make sure things are somewhat managed this morning. So I just want to say my gratitude for them. Often we don't see them, uh, but they're thankfully serving behind the scenes. Yes, let's give them a round of applause, um, serving in different ways. And I realize that God has gifted a church with different people, with different backgrounds to be able to serve together as well. Um, hopefully you guys had a wonderful time thanks- celebrating Thanksgiving. I know probably ate a little too much. We shopped a little too much, but we're glad that we could gather to worship the Lord. And yes, you guessed it, as you probably noticed with the Thanksgiving Behind us, we look forward to the new season of Christmas. In fact, that Christmas, the Advent season starts next Sunday, but we anticipate the coming of the King. The Advent, the word derives from the Latin word Aventus, is meaning of coming and arriving. And we anticipate the coming of Christ as we celebrate Christmas that is coming up. It is often said, death and taxes, as Benjamin Franklin once said, are only two certainties in our life, death and taxes. Well, with the arrival of Christmas season, I would like to add yet another certainty in our lives that you would all agree with, and that is Mariah Carey's All I Want For You, uh, All I Want For Christmas Is You, is back. The famous Mariah Carey's song is certainty will top the Billboard charts come December. The song originally released in 1994 is back. Not only it topped the charts from 19, uh, 2019 to 2022, during its season, it's expected that this song will do it again. And last time I checked, it clocked in at number 17 in Billboard's Hot 100. Not only does this song get played over 30 million times, according to MRC data, a year making Mariah Carey about $2 million a year just by a song alone. Right? What this song does is also unites us all, doesn't it? It doesn't matter whether you're younger or older. The song that was created in 1994, we all know it. You all know the lyrics to it. You could all sing it. I'm not going to do it today. But there's no culture wars here. We all know that when you turn the radio on, this song will play unless you live under a rock. We all have heard it, sang it, played it. If you don't believe me, turn your radio on your way home, and you'll listen to it on your way home. You know, songs have power to do that, doesn't it? Timeless ones like All I Want for Christmas is You certainly does that. It transcends time. It transcends generations, cultures, and even differences you and I might have. The songs unite us like this. A right song can unite the tribes, as they say. Tell a story, celebrate. It could teach us how to lament, express who we are, and oftentimes songs are meant to do that. If you go and see various cultures around the world, you will soon see that each culture has songs as well that represent 
who they are, each speech, each note. I know many of you, including our gifted musicians here on stage in the congregation, can tell you what songs and what the beats certainly do is to tie the various moments of our lives together. Not only it tells about our heritage, but it also could tell about different moments in our lives that we celebrate. It may be our birthdays with classic happy birthday to you. And when that song comes out, we all sing along because we celebrate the birth of someone. It may be a wedding song that jots the memory of the time when you and your loved one danced to the first song together. It may be the beat that you, got, you loved to listen to in your heydays as you rolled down the windows and you drove around the town. It may be a solemn song of tears at funerals that you sang and you remember. We remember them. We remember the songs because we sing the songs to celebrate. We sing songs to mourn and to lament. And we also sing songs to express who we are. That's why in the season of Advent, we're going to see different songs that are sung in Scripture that anticipate the coming of the King. Our three elders uh, will be preaching with me this month. I was thinking three elders, three wise men, but technically there's more wise men. So we got, just like we have more elders. Anyway, our three elders will be preaching with me this month, and they will share the various songs to prepare us of the King, Jesus who comes on Christmas uh, as we celebrate the coming of the King. And as we begin that season, we're going to look at this history song. The title of today's message is called History Songs of Christmas. And you may wonder, a pastor, this is not a song, right? We just read a genealogy, uh, something that we skip over or sometimes when we read the scripture. But this genealogy is a song. You will see the genealogy is a song. Embedded in it is a life and the stories of generations upon generation that display to us the history song of the hope that is to come. And two things we're going to see real quickly throughout this genealogy is the songs of lament as well as the songs of hope. We're going to see the songs of lament and the songs of hope. The first thing we see throughout this genealogy is the songs of lament. Have you ever created a family tree as part of your school project? I don't know if the teenagers here, if you still do this in school or not, but when I was a child, one of the school projects would be go home and create your family tree and bring it back and tell us about your story. And I thought, this is so simple. You go home and you think, oh, yeah, my family is like just typical, quote-unquote, normal family. Me, mom, dad. Yes, mom, grandpa, grandma, grandpa, grandma. And you realize, oh, yeah, like my family is normal. Typically, that's what I think. Uh, that's what I thought, and that's what I turned in, thinking that this is what everybody is going to be. And we all did that, thinking we're, quote-unquote, normal family. But as I got older, and as we started to have this real family talks, especially around the dinner tables at Thanksgiving, or the conflicts at Thanksgiving start to rise, you recognize there is something missing in your family. The perfect family tree that you thought is not actually perfect at all. There is a child missing who died tragically earlier on that no one talked about. We had aunts and uncles that separated that no one talks about. We had death by disease, separation, immigration hardships, many stories that are often untold and recognized that as we get older, these stories are found. The stories of brokenness within our own family trees to recognize all our families. All our stories have brokenness in them. Our genealogy 
the stories of tears, stories of lament are filled within our family trees. These are the real families that we all are part of. And that's the real story that we often find. Well, Jesus' genealogy is no exception to that as well. In many ways, how Jesus identifies with us is through his genealogy, filled with stories of tears, heartaches, and yes, the broken tales. What I would like to call a songs of lament that is littered throughout the historic genealogy of Jesus Christ, the chosen one, the creator sets free. Some of the songs of lament are as follows, just as we read, lament of Abraham as he left his family in the land of Ur. We hear the laments of Abraham as he was to sacrifice his son Isaac on the Mount Moriah. The laments of Isaac as he saw his son Jacob and Esau fight and eventually break apart their family. We see laments of Jacob who deceives and is deceived and spends his early childhood away from his own mother and father only to face more pain at the loss of his own child he favored above them all. We see the laments of Judah, who along with his other brothers sold his own brother into slavery. We see the same Judah the lamenting as his two sons die tragically. We also see the laments of Tamar, who in Judah's abuse is left alone to fend for herself. We also see the laments of Ruth, losing her husband and many days of collecting food to feed the mourning mother in law in the foreign land. We also see the laments of David as he's driven out by both his good friend's father, his own King Saul, not to mention his lament as he flees his own son, Absalom, who threats, who betrays his own father to take over the kingdom. We see the same laments of David who continues even in his own actions as he recognizes what he's done in killing his own friend and assaulting his own friend's wife. We see laments of God's people of Loaboam who lacks wisdom and splits the nation in two. The lament of the nation that suffers under various kings after kings after kings, both in good in Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Zotham, Hezekiah, Josiah, but mostly bad in Abijah, Jeroham, Jotham, Ahaz, Manasseh, Amon, Zechariah, to name the few, and leading Judah astray into the exile at the confusing land of Babylon. And finally, we also see the lament and tears of Joseph and Mary, the death of their son, God-given, miraculously virgin birth of the Savior, who later carries the sins of the world on his shoulders to the cross. Church, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, we see tears. We see stories, the songs of the lament that's littered throughout the stories and the history. And what these songs of lament and tears point to is our own songs of lament today, doesn't it? Oh, church, how many of us shed tears of pain and sorrow during the season of Thanksgiving? For some, it was a tear and lament of the family brokenness. Yet another season of strife and infighting and the bickering that happens around the table, and you wonder how much longer can my family stay together? Why are we continuing to fight and separate? For some of us, it was a tears and lament of yearning not having a family or missing a family due to illness or separation and wondering, can I one day be a part of a union? Can we be together once again longing for those moments? For some, it was the tears and laments of the circumstances, perhaps the financial pressures that you're under, 
the sins and addictions that separate your loved ones, our own souls, and wondering how much longer until you are delivered out of depths of sin. The songs of the lost years, perhaps of the COVID, the loss of communities, the dreams and hopes that you once held dear. And the songs of lament goes even further than our own families and our own circumstances. As we lament with indigenous people this month on the land that were taken from them. And the generations of the struggle to find footing in this land they once roamed free. The songs of the lament and the spirituals that are sung by the enslaved people and the effects it has on the generations that come after them. We lament with tears and pain the fears of the immigrants as we continue to wrestle with what to do with the lament from Ukraine and also from the both sides of the Palestine and Israel's conflict in the war today. We join in with the rest of the creation, longing for Jesus' return to make all things right in his own way. And these are our tears and laments that we sing today. Perhaps one of the most well-known African-American spirituals is nobody knows the trouble I sing. Nobody knows the trouble I sing. Written in 19th century in the South, sung by many enslaved people in the South yearning for deliverance, the lyric goes something like this. It reads, nobody knows the trouble I've been through. Nobody knows my sorrow. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen yet. Glory, hallelujah. Sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down. Oh, yes, Lord, sometimes I'm almost to the ground. Oh, yes, Lord, although you see me going long so. Oh, yes, Lord, I have my trials here below. Oh, yes, Lord, nobody knows the trouble I've been through. Nobody knows but Jesus alone. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Glory, hallelujah. If you get there before I do, oh yes, Lord, tell all of my friends I'm coming to heaven. Oh, yes, Lord. Writing about this song, it is said that nobody knows the trouble I've seen. The endeavors to offer the message that sorrow isn't the end of the road. As human beings, we all suffer. However, in our base moments, we tend to cling to the assumption that other human beings may not have suffered as much. This fallacy arises from a simple fact that we cannot really feel each other's pain. We can only realize our own suffering. But the important factor is that no matter how lonely or down you are, no matter how terrible life seems to be, the Almighty God is aware of everything and will be waiting for you on the other side. We're never alone, and Jesus is always there casting watchful eye over us. The song describes the horrible blindness of the oppressor, followed by the traumatic events of the oppression. The song doubles down on the intense feeling of sadness or sorrow in conjunction with its polar opposite, faith. It urges everyone to put their faith in Jesus, highlighting the fact that nobody knows but Jesus alone. Church, this song has been sung throughout the history. Throughout the history to remember the atrocities, but also to give hope in the midst of the lament. 
in lament, we find hope. We long for hope, actually, longing for deliverance, longing for the chosen one to come, the Savior to come and lead. That's why the genealogy is filled with lament that makes you long for the hope that is to come. And that's the next point we see in this genealogy. Not only we see the songs of lament littered throughout Jesus' genealogy, we also see the songs of hope littered throughout Jesus' genealogy. The second thing we see real quickly is the songs of hope. I had a chance to go home for Thanksgiving. My parents live in Chicago, and that's how our story began. I immigrated to the States with my parents when I was 11 to a cold, cold city of Chicago. And we're coming in February, and uh, my birthday is in April. It snowed in April. And I was like, where am I? Why am I here? That's what I thought. Um, And every time I go home to my parents, we go with my parents to uh, their church, their immigrant church. And uh, if you're an immigrant, you know this. It's customary for you to go, and you bow to everybody else you know. I thought I was at my wedding again saying hello to all her friends and family members and all the extended family that are there. Um, But I love Immigrant Church because it brings back memories of where I grew up, the setting that I grew up in. And often the Sunday gatherings of these immigrants means more than just Sunday worship. For some of us, we often make Sunday worship into an event, right? Oh, we've got to be there at 10 o'clock and get out at 11 o'clock, or 10.30 now, and get out at 11.30 or 12 o'clock to make it in time for something. But for a lot of these immigrant communities, this is their community. This is it. They get there at 9 o'clock in the morning, and they stay till like 9 p.m. Because this is a time where they could gather to talk to one another and hope of community to come. After a long week of trying to make it in the society, that is not made for them. Many immigrants gather on Sundays singing, listening, hoping, and often topic addresses suffering. If you want to know what it means to suffer well, visit some of these immigrant churches and you'll see they suffer on a regular basis. And topic is often on suffering. On this particular Sunday, the pastor that was preaching on remembering uh, also talked about suffering, but talked about suffering as remembering your suffering in the desert from the book of Numbers. And one thing this pastor said, my parents' pastor said, that really stuck with me. He said that we're often told to leave our joyous moments on the rock, etch him on the rock, while leave our laments, memories of tears in water so we'll flow away. They say, keep your good memories and let the bad memories flow away. But he said, but God tells us otherwise. God tells us to etch our painful memories on the rock, the songs of lament on the rock, but send away the joyous moments in the water. And I realize that's so true, isn't it? Doesn't the Bible always talk about that? Remember your time in the Egypt. Not remember all the joyous times you had. Remember the time you suffered on the Egypt, on the, on the wilderness. Remember those times. And why is it that? Because in the midst of the lament, you remember the hope, hope of the deliverance and the Savior. And that's the reality of this genealogy, church. In the midst of the lament is the stories of hope. And here are the songs of the hope that we find in this genealogy today. We also hear this hope of Abraham, who by faith saw a nation that will come, faith generation in the promised land. We hear the stories and the hope of Abraham, who against hope believed God will provide as he headed to sacrifice his one and only son Isaac. 
We hear of the hope of Isaac in becoming that hope for his aging parents, receiving gift of his beloved and his two sons, two nations that are birthed even through a conflict. We hear of hope of Jacob, who despite his failures become Israel, the father of 12 tribes. We hear of hope of Judah and his brothers, despite their own failures in fighting, God remembers them and rescues them out of famine. And even through their hatred and jealousy towards their brother Joseph, God delivers this family. We hear of hope of Tamar. Through her brokenness, God gives yet another son. We hear the hope of Ruth, though losing her husband, clung to Naomi, saying, your people are my people, and in Boaz found a kindred redeemer. We hear of hope of David through the smallest and overseen. This David, persecuted, driven out, even by his own failure, God promises his kingdom and his descendants will reign forever. Despite the failures and laments of the kings after kings after kings, we also hear of the hope of the kings. Though they fail, what we find is that God's promise does not fail. We hear the hope of Joseph, though he does not know how this will be, seeing God giving gift to Mary's womb, caring for this child. We also hear of hope of Mary, who speaks, may be done to me as a servant, and faces a lifetime of scrutiny by treasuring hope in her heart. We hear the hope of exiles who are sent to Babylon, the confusing land, due to their unfaithfulness who long for return, but we see God who promises return and holding on to them. We hear the hope of the nation who longs for Messiah, the chosen one to come, the greater David, in light of Abraham, whom God promises deliverance. And church, that's just it, isn't it? Our ultimate song of hope, rise with this chosen one, just as we read, and he gives sons who was the husband of the bitter tears, who gave birth to the creator sets free, who is the chosen one. And so there were 14 generations from father of many nations to much loved one, 14 more generations from much loved one until the removal to village of confusion, and then 14 more from removal to creator sets free the chosen one. From father of many nations to much-loved one, to, from much-loved one to creator sets free, the Jesus, Son of God, the chosen one, rise all the songs of hope. On his shoulders rise all our songs, all our anticipation, all our longing for deliverance to come. So Christmas season brings all these sets of laments together. But coupled with that are our songs of hope. Hope as we celebrate the coming of the King who promised that our pain, our suffering, our tears today is only temporary. Hope that circumstances that weigh us down today, the sins that entangle us, has no power over us. And that's the reason our King, the Chosen One, came to die to give His life as ransom while we are still sinners. Hope that the one who loves us will keep us and will not separate from us, nor death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from God's beloved, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the hope we sing in this genealogy. And that's the hope that is confirmed with the coming of the chosen one. Savior literally sets us free. 
all Christ central, as we sing the songs of lament, we ought to in this season, we must also sing this song of hope. Not in the gift giving, not in the day off and vacations, not even just festivities, the laughter, the holiday parties, but we especially as his beloved must remember that we sing this song today, this month, on Christmas Day, because the King is coming. And as we learn to hope in this chosen one, we sing these songs of the coming King. We long for one day when Jesus shall return yet again, where every nation, tongue, and tribe gather, where Jesus comes in full glory, hope that he is indeed returning. And that's why we can do that this month too. Not only with our families and our beloved ones, but the songs are meant to be sung together. Good songs are meant to be shared together. It is good when one good singer sings well, but it is powerful when the souls are gathered to sing a song together. That's why we love choruses. We love mass concerts when we could sing back to the person that's singing, not only for the lead singer, but we all get to join in. In fact, the researchers at University of California, Berkeley, published research that highlight the benefit of singing together. Not only creates a social bond, but it also helps us with our breathing, with our posture, muscle tensions. It helps with our brain functions, it says, and our well-being as a whole together. We are made to sing together as a body of Christ. Do you believe that? No wonder imagery of heaven is that we see the multitude of people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, every ethnos represented doing what? Singing, worshiping the chosen one, creator sets free. That means we recognize there are different voices in the room, different sounds, different people in our massive chorus of life. We're called in this season to sing together in hope in giving of our times and resources in anticipation of the coming King. So Church of Christ, give generously to others as you sing songs of hope this season. O Church of Christ, serve sacrificially for others in this season as you sing songs of hope with one another. But more than anything, Church of Christ, voraciously long for Jesus' return together in our hopelessness to give hope to the world that needs this creator set free. That is the hope of Christmas, the song that we sing today, and for the next three weeks, we will sing these songs together at the night yet of the gospel that longs for the king, but also the hope of already that is here, the gospel of Jesus Christ that says he came to die and lives again. Oh, Christ Central, this is our advent. Our story, our king, the creator, sets us free. In light of Native American Heritage Month, we have featured prominent Native American indigenous, indigenous Christian theologians that shaped our knowing of the chosen one, creator sets free. One of the theologian writers is Cheryl Bear. She's also an award-winning songwriter who through her songs, quote, a presentation of between the one to two hours, this, this is what she does, that combines stories and songs to help a non-indigenous audience understand some of the beauty and complexity of the Native history and culture. And she does this. One of the, her songs is titled, 
the road to reservation. The road to reservation. And the song goes like this. When I was young on the reservation, spent my time out in God's creation. The river was life in the playground. Spent my time roaming all around. This is my home. This is my home. This is my home. When I was 18, I moved to town, but missing my people has got me down, doing my best to try to earn my way, but they just don't know any way. I'm going home. I am going home. I am going home. And she writes, on the road to reservation, road to reservation, I am going home. When I grow old and my eyes get dim, I'm going to find myself living up to him. When creator calls, I'll take one rest ride once you bury me in this land. I am coming home. I am coming home. I am coming home. The writer sings of her journey, home being the reservation where she grew up, but the land that represented her being. Longing for home, longing to return home, it tells the story of her people, and through her song brings her people together in longing, hoping for joy of being home. But as song does, it not only sings to the heart of the indigenous peoples, but it tugs at all of our hearts, doesn't it? A longing to be home, especially in this Advent season, the song that we ought to sing together in anticipation of the coming King, singing the songs of lament, songs of hope. We all sing songs of anticipation, saying, Lord, I want to go home. And home is where our Lord Christ is, and He is coming to bring the home to us. Let's keep singing until he does, shall we? Let's pray. Father, that's our prayer, that as we gather together on this Sunday as a family to sing this song, to long for the heaven that is to come, to long for the heaven, our home, to say that, Lord, we don't belong in this world, but we belong to the Lord, to heaven. And you are coming. And you already came, and you died on the cross, rose again, and you promised to return again. And Lord, in this season, we celebrate the first coming of the King, but we also long for the second coming of our King to bring us home again. Father, teach us how to sing this song well together as you come to this table. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.